Again, everybody, Lance Russell and Dave Brown, right along ringside, by golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon Sula, your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, another outstanding card. Hey, guys, and welcome back to Regional Wrestling, where we talk the territories. And as always, promising you 100% territory talk each and every week here on the show. And I am your host, Ray Russell. And this week, we're going to jump back into Georgia Championship Wrestling for 1981. And we set the stage last time as guest co-host Jamie Ward will return as we begin to talk January 1981 in the Georgia Territory. And we're going to kick things off with January 1st of all days with a special New Year Omnicard. Georgia Championship Wrestling kicking things off the right way here in 1981. But before we get to that, a friendly reminder that you can listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, along with sister shows like the Wrestling Memory Grenade, where we're in the middle of our 1987 in the WWF project, now heading into the month of July in 1987 as those million-dollar man vignettes begin to flow. You can also listen to my podcast, Monday Warfare, The Battles Within. It's Raw versus Nitro, as we break down the weekly Monday Night War by taking a look at both what was going on in the ring as well as behind the scenes, and yes, we even dive into those pesky TV ratings. A new season of Monday Warfare has already begun to drop with July 1st, 1996, as WCW Nitro has just started their reign of 83 weeks on top. On the July 1st edition of Nitro, we're going to talk about the WCW Tag Team Champions Harlem Heat defending their titles against the Steiner Brothers. Also, Disco Balls used as weapons, and Steve McMichael introduces the world to the Flying Halliburton. All of that and more on Monday Nitro as we head into the Bash at the Beach pay-per-view. Then over on Raw, the WWF going to try their hands at a lesbian storyline. Yes, that's right, a potential lesbian angle involving Sable and Marlena. Also, Sonny gets slopped, and the Rockers explode again as the WWF champion Shawn Michaels takes on former partner Marty Jannetty. All of that, plus more Ultimate Warrior drama than you can shake a stick at, whatever that means. And you can listen to all of those shows and more over at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network located at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and everywhere your streaming needs are met. From Apple to Spotify, Google, and beyond. And don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts, guys. Follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like us at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Follow us on our social media for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. And I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And speaking of videos, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel located over at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade, uploading new footage all the time as I continue to preserve my old VHS collection by converting it all to digital. Now over 450 videos on our YouTube channel. Really good time to start being a subscriber there at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade. And if you guys don't know by now, now is also a great time to become a WrestleCopia patron. So if you guys have a few extra dollars in that PayPal account or whatnot, 
Help show your support of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network here at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Multiple tiers to choose from. Just asking you guys to give it a try at that $5 all-access tier. Gets you all sorts of goodies, including all of my insanely detailed show notes, book-like show notes, pages and pages of show notes for all of my shows, including the Wrestling Memory Grenade Monday Warfare and now the Regional Wrestling Podcast as well. you also get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Plus, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show covering the 1989 and the NWA Project. Includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations. Originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back into the shows. But that's not all. You'll also receive digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. And of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday Night's Main Events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. Plus, there's also random bonus drops. You never know what I'm going to drop there at that $5 all-access tier. Tons of videos dropped this month, and no doubt more coming your way. And you get all of that, guys, for the low, low price of just $5. It's early access, insanely detailed show notes for three of our podcast shows, plus Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, remastered episodes with new content added in, digital downloads, and so much more. All of that for just $5 a month. No subscription. Cancel anytime. Please, if you can, show your support. Give it a try for a month, and I think you'll like the content we offer. And this is the best part, guys. Every penny of it goes right back into paying the bills right here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. You guys can help us keep WrestleCopia and all the podcasts up and running for the months and the years to come. All right, guys, we set the stage last time, but now it's time to dive into the month of January here. So let's get back into things with Georgia Championship Wrestling 1981. And now, with all of that out of the way, it's time to jump back into that Georgia Championship Wrestling 1981 project. And in order to do that, got to bring back our guest co-host for this particular project. I'm talking the longtime wrestling smart fan over 40 plus years that he's been trading tapes, reading the dirt sheets, and interjecting himself into wrestling history when he can. He is a very good friend of WrestleCopia's own Tom Robinson of TR Shocks the World. You can find Tom, by the way, at TRShock on Twitter. Cheap plug there for you, Tom. You've also heard this man on the Stick to Wrestling podcast with host John McAdam. Bringing him back here to talk more Georgia 1981 as we jump into the month of January. Bringing back Jamie Ward to the show. Jamie, welcome back to Regional Wrestling. Uh, My pleasure to be back, right? I'm all excited and ready to roll. Yeah, we set the stage last time, Jamie, and now it's time for 1981 Georgia Championship Wrestling. And all right, Jamie, not going to make the listeners any promises here because there's no telling how long it, it might take us to get through all of this. But my intentions on this episode are to try to sandwich this particular episode of Georgia by talking about a pair of Omni cards. And we're definitely going to kick off January with the New Year's Day 
Omnicard January 1st, 1981. And hopefully, if we can do this in a reasonable amount of time, we can close out this edition by looking at the January 16th Omnicard as well. That's okay with you. That sounds good to me. All right. And if we want to try to get this all in, we better get it on. So let's get rolling with this edition of Regional Wrestling, kicking off January 1981 in the Georgia Territory. Let's do it. All right, and away we go. January 1981, right off the bat, we're going to look at the 1981 roster here heading into the new year as they begin to stretch out the Georgia Territory into new areas. Georgia Championship Wrestling spreading into Gadsden, Alabama, Columbus, Ohio, Chattanooga, Tennessee, even sending talent to San Francisco to try and co-promote with Roy Shire out there, taking advantage of the eyeballs on the Superstation, baby, and expanding anywhere and everywhere they can at this point. Yeah, Superstation is really taking off. I mean, 1980 was a hell of a year for him, but 1981 is even better. All right, and we did this during the setting the stage portion of the Georgia Championship Wrestling shows, and uh, we took a look at some of the talent that was involved in the territory at the time, and so I want to continue that here by looking at some of the names gone from Georgia here as we head into the new year. Terry Taylor finishing up on Christmas night. He'll head off to Central States, which kind of shocked me, Jamie. I didn't realize Terry Taylor went to Central States. I thought he was a little above that, if you know what I mean. But he's out there until the month of May. And then from there, he'll only actually head to Knoxville at that point in time. So Terry Taylor not having an eventful 1981 as of yet. Also gone here. In January of 81, Jerry Roberts, that's a.k.a. Jacques Rougeau Jr., also off to Central States briefly before he's back up in the Montreal Territory, and then some big names out of the company as well. Bullet Bob Armstrong leaves for Alabama full-time, Southeastern Championship Wrestling, and the Briscoes also back to Florida. We also talked about Stan Lane. He left back on December 5th. He's missing in action until February. He'll pop up, I think, I think it was either Alabama or Memphis. Mr. Saito and Dennis Condry also both gone. They're both off to Alabama as well. And Roger Mason has also left for the territory of Florida. He'll be going by the name of Roger Smith down there. And Killer Khan gone now to the WWF as well. You you notice that a lot in the territory era. Lots of names come and go right around the new year. Yeah, well, it's time to uh, start fresh. And uh, Fuller had just taken over as Booker. So he let those guys finish their commitments out. Now it's time to bring his boys all in. Yeah, the WWF now, WWE, sorry guys, nowadays they, they kind of refresh after WrestleMania, or they used to anyway. It was kind of like their new year, their new season in professional wrestling. But here, back in the territory days, you saw this a lot. Uh, right after Christmas, right around the New Year time period. Preliminary talent, also gone from the company at this point. Tom Stanton, Charlie Fulton, Ted Allen, also all gone from Georgia Championship Wrestling. So, the current roster looks like this. On the babyface side of things, it's Mr. Wrestling 2. Steve Kern, Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas, Robert Fuller, Ted DiBiase, Steve Olsonowski, Ted and Jerry Oates, and the Plowboys, Stan Frazier, going to make his return by January 26th, briefly anyway. Also new to the territory this month, you guys are going to hear us talking about Charlie Cook here in Georgia, as well as Dick Slater, going to make his arrival later here in the month of January as well. Any of those names catch your ear? Well, it's good to see Dick Slater back. It seems like he's in and out every six months. With Georgia. Yeah, Dickey is a big-time name down there in Florida for sure, and of course he'll eventually pop up in Mid-South. He's not going to do too well in his uh, brief stint as the Rebel in the WWF, but Dick Slater was one of my favorites who just kind of disappeared out of that main event level, and he was, don't get me wrong, at one point in your late 70s and all throughout the early 80s, 
in that main event level in the in the territories in which he worked. And they always pushed him under the uh, Mr. Unpredictable gimmick when he was in Georgia. Yeah, and I, I do believe that was a shoot. Oh, I bet it was. <laughs> and now we're going to take a look over on the heel side of things. Of course, the Freebirds have been wreaking havoc for the last several months here. National Tag Team Champions, the Freebirds, I should add. Terry Gordy, Buddy Roberts, and of course, Michael P.S. Hayes. Alexis Smirnoff has just returned Christmas night, getting a win over Terry Taylor and the Omni. Also, Joe LaDuke here. Crazy Lou Graham back for just a brief spell, as well as Ole Anderson and eventually Gene Anderson will be back here before the end of the month as well. And national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper still here with manager Don Carson by his side. National television champion is Kevin Sullivan, recently making that heel turn, winning that title over former friend Steve Kern. The assassin, Jody Hamilton, still here for the time being. And a young lad has arrived by the name of Bobby Eaton. Ever heard of him? Bobby Eaton as a brunette, which most people uh, looking to eat might not recognize him at first glance. No, but they, they seem to know that there's something there with that Bobby Eaton fellow. We're going to get to that as we talk about TV week after week and some of the things he does while he's here. But clearly, Bobby Eaton brought in as they don't really have a lot for him, but they have enough for him. They certainly have see the talent and they, they don't bury Bobby Eaton in this run. Oh, no, not at all. He. And he actually gets a, what, about a six-month run out of this. So it was a good learning experience for Bobby in Georgia. Yeah, and he got his name out there as well. Also, here still at this point, some enhancement talent. Looking at Bill Dromo, Pat Rose, Ken Timms. And new to the territory is Chick Donovan, one of my personal favorites, Jamie. Yeah, the golden boy. I almost didn't recognize him in his first appearance. Not quite golden just yet. Not yet. <laughs> also here in the month of January, we're going to take a look at the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, Les Thornton. He's got a couple of matches here early in the month. Going to take on Steve O here when we get to the Omni card for January 1st. And then on TV, he's got a match slated against Kevin Sullivan here on January the 3rd. Also here in the month of January, we already talked about it, NWA World Heavyweight Champion Harley Race. Going to work several matches, including some title matches on January 12th and 13th. Going to take on Tony Atlas. And on the 14th, scheduled to defend his title against Mr. Wrestling 2, but we're going to touch on that a little later in the show, so I won't spoil that right now. Let's look at some of the feuds, Jamie, if you don't mind. We're going to take a look at some of the things going on coming into the new year, and it all starts, obviously, we've it just started just a couple months ago, but it got hot and heavy pretty fast. I'm talking about the tag team feud between the Fabulous Freebirds and, of course, Ted DiBiase, Robert Fuller, and I guess Stan Frazier. It's okay, Stan's in there. You have to have the third guy. Just so we know that in my notes, he's in parentheses. That's all I want everybody to know. Philadelphia's <laughs> own Stan Frazier. Not that Philadelphia. Not that Philadelphia, though. <laughs> but Michael Hayes is from that Philadelphia. Right. And uh, should point out for anybody who missed last episode, what are you doing? Go back and listen. We set the stage for 1981. It was all about the tail end of 1980. Last time out, me and Jamie Ward covered Georgia Championship Wrestling, setting the stage here for 1981. And one of the things that happened there were the Freebirds delivering a, how would you call it, a triple spike pile driver? I don't know, an assisted spike pile driver, all three Freebirds involved, dumping big, your 500-pound Stan Frazier on his head, and that's what, what he's doing right now. He's milking that injury. He's out. Uh, I think his last match here was Christmas night at the Omni, and we won't see Stan until the end of January. Yeah, and if for no other reason, watch that match just to see them get a man of that size up for that spike pile driver. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I mean, it's pretty. It, it's almost like 
trying to do that to Andre the Giant. I mean, holding the guy up that long. Yeah, and kudos to everyone involved. Terry Gordy for, yes, I know he got some assistance there, but Terry Gordy had to navigate that move and not break Stan Frazier's neck. And I don't know if it's guts or brains there on Frazier's end for taking a move like that at his size. And and that age, he's nearing the end of his career. Well, do you want a job or don't you want the job? <laughs> and I'm sure Stan needed the job. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, also feuding right now, the former babyface Kevin Sullivan turned heel and defeated his former friend Steve Kern for the national TV title. Those two will continue to feud. We're going to see a lot more about that. Also, to a lesser extent, we're going to see Kevin Sullivan feuding now with Steve O as well, at least for the short term. And then we get to the main event scene. Oh, my gosh. Look at the names here. Dusty Rhodes continues his feud after that big turn last summer in 1980. The big feud continues on, off and on anyway. Dusty Rhodes and Ole Anderson. Also, Tony Atlas now feuding with Ole Anderson as well after Ole destroyed Atlas's trophy for Black Athlete of the Year just a few weeks ago on TV here. And world champion Harley Race also in the mix here feuding with Tony Atlas. Race putting a bounty of sorts here on Tony Atlas in the early part of the year here in Georgia Championship Wrestling uh, in, in an attempt to try not to have to defend that title, as we will see. National heavyweight champion the Stomper also picking fights with the likes of Mr. Wrestling 2 and Tony Atlas. So everybody picking a fight with Atlas, it would seem, Jamie. And a hot commodity is Atlas as we're heading into the new year. Yeah, on the single side, no doubt, uh, Atlas was the uh, the number one baby face at the time. And so everybody wanted a piece of Tony. Um, Race and Atlas still had unfinished business from their title shot back in October. So Atlas you know, has that extra fire inside him to try to get the belt from Race right here. And Race isn't about to give it up to him. Right. I mean, I just look at the names there. Ole Anderson, Harley Race, and the national champion Mongolian Stomper all in a few to, uh, to different levels with Tony Atlas right now. It's just amazing that he's spread all around like that. And everybody probably heard the name Dusty Rose, and they're probably saying, how can Tony Atlas be above Dusty Rhodes? Well, I'm not really saying that, but Dusty's in and out. He's got other things going on. So when he's in town, Dusty, obviously a main eventer any day, every day, all day. But in this instance, Tony Atlas is certainly filling the card here as the number two champion, the Georgia heavyweight champion. Yeah, Dusty's there just making sure that Tony doesn't get too popular <laughs> That's to, that to, to possibly hurt things to come. Oh, you hit the nail on the head, baby. Dusty Rhodes knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> like I always said, I love Dusty Rhodes. I was just never a big fan of Virgil Runnels. There you go. Well put. Well put, Jamie. As uh, we get rolling here, we're going to look at some results, and it all starts January 1st at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, just one week after the Christmas card, also at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. So two shows in just one week's time here, both holiday events. That was the uh, tradition in Atlanta. Every holiday, have a show. Yeah, and it always seemed like the southern states could capitalize on those, especially Thanksgiving, Christmas, things like that, those uh, very big holidays. The fans would come out in droves, whereas it didn't work so well in some of the other territories. But in the south, it was just like a thing you did. And, and man, they really delivered on those cards. Yeah, that's because they were running weekly the same same arenas. You know, most of the time now, Atlanta was a, a bi-weekly or a tri-weekly city. But, you know, for the most part... It was a quick turnaround compared to the Northeast, where it was every four, five, six weeks before they were returning to a town. And I kind of liken it to with with them coming into your town every week, two weeks, three weeks here in the Georgia Territory. 
okay, I had my turkey with my family, but now I'm going to go watch my other family wrestle in the ring, all the baby faces, all the heroes. And, and, and at Christmas time, you open your presents. And then that night, it's like, okay, we had some fun at home. And now it's time to go out and have some more fun watching the wrestlers compete. Right, exactly. What else are you going to do? Let's go see some wrestling. <laughs> so let's look at some of the results here. All of the results here on January 1st in the Omni. Some quick results here. Bobby Eaton arrives in the territory and immediately scores a win. I couldn't believe this when I read this. Pins the assassin. So Jody Hamilton putting over Bobby Eaton in his debut but, here in the Georgia Territory. But I wonder if that was Jody. I tried to look up different things, and I see the same result everywhere. It just says the assassin. So I'm wondering if it was maybe Roger Mason on his way out. Now, I do know Mason left before this. He was already gone by okay. this point. I do know that, but I'm not saying it was Jody Hamilton. I did just say it was Jody Hamilton because I assumed it was Jody Hamilton. And like I said, that caught my eye because I don't know that Jody would agree to do that. But at the same Especially time. Especially in an opener. Right. Uh, but so maybe he said, I'm not jobbing to this boy. Give somebody else some gear and throw him out there. I don't, I, you know, the, the match is not out there. I can't verify if it was Jody or not. I just assumed it was because he is there and he is still working as the assassin for the short term anyway. So you're right. You know, I just assumed and you know what happens, you know, when you assume things. Yeah, things happen. <laughs> also, we'll keep, on, we'll keep it G rated this one. Okay. <laughs> that works. Yeah, we're too early in the show. This, this was just an opener. Also at the Omni, it was Joe LaDuke over Jerry Oates, national TV champion. Kevin Sullivan going to a draw with now nemesis Steve Kern, NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion Les Thornton scoring a win over Steve O, Georgia Heavyweight Champion Tony Atlas defeating Alexis Smirnoff. Smirnoff just made his return last week on the Christmas night card, doing the job to Tony here this week on New Year's Day. And then also on the card, here's some good matches coming up now. Mr. Wrestling 2 scoring a victory over the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper, by disqualification after manager Don Carson tripping up Wrestling 2 from the floor, and then post-match the Stomper trying to unmask Wrestling 2, but Mr. Wrestling 2 able to fight him off. So we have some issues here now, brewing between Wrestling 2 and the Mongolian Stomper. And everybody always wants to take 2's mask off. I don't know why. He couldn't be that good-looking underneath. Or he wouldn't have been wearing a mask. Boy, they should have realized who they were screwing with. Yeah. If there was one person, the mask wasn't coming off. Well, I can't say that it's happened, but it's typically wrestling, too. Right. Happened, not gonna. As we go on, tag team action. Sees Robert Fuller and Ted DiBiase defeat the national tag team champions, the fabulous Freebirds, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts, on a disqualification. Fun finish here, though. Saw DiBiase locking in the figure four on Terry Gordy. While at the same time, Robert Fuller locking in that Fuller leg lock on Buddy Roberts. So stereo finishers here on both of the Freebirds at the same time. In deep trouble here are the champions. But Michael Hayes attacks to save the tag team titles, which will lead to the challengers here wanting a return match. No disqualification rules at the next Omni card. We'll get to that later as we talk about TV. But I love the finish here. It, the crowd was hot as hell. I don't know if you got to see the highlights of this match. Yes, the I Omni. did. Okay. The crowd was hot as hell, and I would have been all up in this. Uh, DiBiase locks Gordy in the figure four, then Roberts comes in, and he gets locked in the fuller leg lock. We got both birds down, ready to submit, and but that prissy sissy Michael Hayes gets in the ring and, and draws the intentional disqualification to save the birds' titles. Michael Hayes was nobody's fool. He was the ace in the hole. Nobody was going to take those titles off the free birds at that point. I love that finish. They just brought the crowd up so hot and then brought it down. And Michael Hayes lives to fight it. Well, the entire Freebirds 
live to fight another day as the tag team champions. Yep. Also on this card, I won't say it's unusual, but it's intriguing. Andre the Giant comes into town and scores a pinfall over Hulk Hogan. And we saw Freddie Blassie on Georgia TV in recent weeks promoting this matchup. Uh, A couple of WWF guys coming down for this. Not that Andre didn't work the territories, but at this point in time, he was actually working Hogan quite a bit on the house shows up there in the WWF. So they came down and worked this one match in Georgia and then went right back up to the New York territory after this. And what's interesting is just a year earlier, Hogan was in Georgia as Sterling Golden. Yeah, the Golden Squeeze. And they actually took this match um, to several territories. This match was in St. Louis. It was in, I believe, St. Petersburg. It was on the big Superdome show for uh, Bill Watts. And then they also had the match here. I was going through some of the results up there in the WWF, you know, heading into this match they did down here in Georgia. And up in the WWF, we're getting disqualifications, countouts every night. They weren't putting anybody over, but down here, it's a one-night-only deal. And yes, you better believe Andre the Giant going to score a pinfall victory. And, and it's probably a good call, too. We just came off of back-to-back disqualifications. Yeah, and Hogan wasn't coming back to any of these arenas. Andre was. Right. As we head into the main event now, and we've already seen tons. We've seen an awesome tag team title match, Wrestling 2 and the Stomper, Andre and Hulk Hogan, but it just continues on. No disqualification here. Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, taking on Ole Anderson, and it is Dusty Rhodes scoring the win here. As we see clips on TV, will show Alexis Smirnoff and Tony Atlas at ringside in the respective corners of the men in the ring. Ole Anderson attacking Tony Atlas on the apron at one point, when Dusty Rhodes from behind, tackling Ole, sending him into Atlas, Anderson going down to the mat, and Dusty dropping the bionic elbow and scoring the win. The American Dream pinning Ole Anderson here in a no-disqualification match, but it doesn't end there, Jamie, because post-match, Ole Anderson and Alexis Smirnoff double-teaming Rhodes, bloodying him up with Smirnoff's boot before Tony Atlas can finally make the save. So the feud continues on, and Tony Atlas kind of gets plugged in there as well. And that way, Dusty looks like the main man, and Tony is Dusty's sidekick. Right. Where was Tony during that beatdown on Dusty Rhodes? <laughs> Very true. Yeah, just had him laying at ringside. It was like the, the current WWE spots where they have the big ladder matches. I think people just go and they lay outside. We don't know where they go for five, ten minutes at a time. Yes, I know Ole got crashed into Tony Atlas during the finish, but Tony sold that for quite a while out there. Maybe he wanted well, maybe he wanted Dusty to do a little color. Well, there was nobody under the ring to tell Tony to get up. <laughs> yeah, no earpieces either back then. No earpieces. Yeah, indeed. Boy, Jamie, you got an answer for everything. You're like Cowboy Bill Watts. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, one of my uh, other co-hosts, Roman Gomez, loves to call the Cowboy the great explainer because he can explain anything. And you're on a roll here this week. I love it. So far, so good. And I can crash <laughs> yet, though. All right, so we... Close out the Omni, and just two days later, it's Georgia Championship Wrestling back at the TBS studios on January the 3rd. Lots of action here, lots of angles going down as well, and lots of sound bites coming up, coming your way. I had a lot of people asking me, will there be sound bites, Ray, here in Georgia Championship Wrestling? If I can find them, you better believe it. Now, I I didn't grab all of them, but I grabbed the good ones or the ones I felt were important, Jamie, and I invite you to listen along with me and, and enjoy and the goodness of the Georgia promos. I'm ready to listen. Sounds great. So we kick off the show, and right away, it's Ole Anderson, the man who lost in the main event at the Omni, scoring a win over Bill Dromo. And from there, we're treated to highlights of Ole versus Dusty. 
This is how I even know what happened. I lo- That's the one thing we should touch on, I guess, as we get going here. Every week, not only did we get some great promos talking people into the buildings, but a lot of the time we got highlights of what happened specifically at the Omni cards so that we could get highlights to see what, what went down. And it was a real treat. It was almost like watching clips of the pay-per-views on TV. Yeah, when um, I'm a couple months away from actually watching TBS every week, but that was one of the things that kept drawing me back to this show every week was them showing clips from the arena because I grew up in the WWF and you <laughs> never got you, you never got arena clips. Now, once in a while, they would do the localized interviews for the upcoming Spectrum. Since those shows aired on Prism, they right. would show a, a clip of a match, but it would only be real quick. It wouldn't be in depth where they go over everything. Right. And say no more. I mean, up there in the WWF, I know what you got. I grew up on WWF myself, but I also got to catch the tail end of Georgia. And it's great because, yeah, we get the squash matches and I feel like those are needed. But we also get some fun competitive matches on TV here. And as I said, the highlights from the Omni, it's just amazing. It'd be like getting highlights from from the garden cards up there in New York, maybe a little more active, more more action here in Georgia. But uh, it would still be pretty damn cool if I was watching, you know, championship wrestling in the WWF back in the day and oh, we're going to go to Madison Square Garden and see highlights of Ken Patera and Bob Backlund. See, but the the difference was the WWF kind of wanted you to think that only Philadelphia is where they wrestled, or only Madison Square Garden is where they wrestled, or only the Boston Garden. Each show was specified for that particular market. And unless you heard about them having events in their local high school gyms in the area, you didn't think they wrestled you wouldn't know they wrestled anyplace else. Right. But very rarely would they ever mention on TV one of the arenas. Yeah, no shame in their game, and I can't really blame them. It worked for years up there. Very successful at it. And then Betty Jr. took it over, and that's another story for another day. (laughs) It certainly is. So we go back here. Ole Anderson scoring a win over Dromo here on TV. We get highlights from the Omni card. Dusty Rhodes going over on Ole Anderson. And, of course, we see the finish there again as Ole shares his side of the story and what went on there. Uh, really fun stuff there from Ole Anderson. In fact, I've got a soundbite lined up, just a brief bit of the promo featuring Ole Anderson kicking off the show here this week on Georgia Championship Wrestling. Let's listen. I'll tell you what, Mr. Anderson, before we talk any farther, I had a chance to talk earlier to both Tony Atlas and an ex- well, there you are right there. I'm standing here right now live before you, in front of your cameras and everything else, looking for Tony Atlas, looking for Dusty Rhodes, looking for anybody that put up a fight against Ole Anderson. And what happens? They're not here. I heard people when I walked in today, they said, you better look out, you better look out, Anderson. And I said, why? They said, because Dusty Rhodes is looking for you. Tony Atlas is looking for you. Well, it didn't surprise me that two guys are looking for me. What surprised me is if anybody's looking for me that bad, then how hard am I to find? I walk down to a bar, guy says, I know somebody that can beat you. Where is the guy? Where is Dusty Rhodes? Where is Tony Atlas? I'll tell you where they are. They're all hiding somewhere because they know damn well. When it comes to doing something, only Anderson can do it, and all the rest of these people are just yakking. Hold on just a second. All the rest of these people are just yakking. Oli says he heard that Dusty and Atlas are looking for him. Well, he's not that hard to find, Jamie. Everyone else talks the talk, but Oli Anderson is the only one, apparently, who walks the walk. So we're coming in hot here with highlights from the Omni main event. And now we get a promo here from Oli Anderson looking for revenge on both Dusty Rhodes and Tony Atlas. And, you know, I think I said this the last time around. When you see Oli Anderson, especially now looking back and rewatching that stuff, you thought Oli was the real deal. 
He may have been a blowhard, but you look in those eyes, and he believed what he was saying. And he would just suck you right in. That's why you hated him so much at that point. Yeah, Ole's promos were very, they were very real. You know, and uh, it's, it's like you said, they just came off very realistic. He really became that character. And yeah, there was probably a lot of him in that character as far as the grumpy side goes. But telling the stories, narrating the storyline in his promos, it just felt real. It just, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's not your typical, I'm coming to kick your butt next week at the Omni-type promo. It's very articulate in a way, but it's very aggressive in the way as well, and it's just realistic. Everything that comes out of his mouth, it feels like he actually means what he says. What he's saying is real. Now, I believe this is an Oli comment. Um, I'm forgetting where I heard this, but Oli used to say, it doesn't matter whether you think wrestling is real, as long as you think I'm real. Yes, I've seen that said many a times. Uh, and, and I think that was his quote. Um, I just don't remember where I, I, I heard her. Uh, I think it originated, and again, I could be wrong. I think it originated from Johnny Valentine. But uh, I have heard Oli say that as well. Well, Oli worked with him enough, so right. creative license, he went ahead and stole it like everything Absolutely. else in wrestling. So I stopped the promo there, but the promo continues on here as Soli stays with Oli as we hear from Tony Atlas and Dusty Rhodes in a VTR, and then we're going to go back to more from Ole Anderson. Mr. Anderson, if you don't mind, sir, I'd like to have you hear these comments anyway. Let's switch now to this previously recorded interview with uh, Tony Atlas and Dusty Rhodes. Tony, on Friday the 16th, you and Dusty Rhodes tag team partners. Well, you know, me and Dusty Rhodes, we decided to become tag team partners for simply one reason. There's two people running around in this area that definitely need a good whooping, and that's that no-good-for-nothing low-down dog, Ole Anderson, and that world, so-called world champion, Holly Race. And if it's two people that can give them whoopings, Tony Atlas and Dusty Rhodes, and my main man, Dusty, has something to say about the whole situation. Let me tell you what now, y'all, mamas and the papa, pull your chairs up now. The dream want to talk at you. It was word sent down by me, Dusty Rose, say I never wrestle Holly Race for the world's title again. I'm sticking to my guns. Never will I wrestle Holly Race for the world's title again. Ain't that one? I want the world's title. One man right now stands tall than all the rest of contenders, and that's Tony Atlas. Holly Race, there's no way in the world you can beat Tony Atlas. You're a chump, and you know you're a chump. Now then, Ole Anderson, once again, starting off 81 by giving me headaches. By giving me headaches. So all that needs to be done now is I'm going to say what needs to be said. I will wrestle Holly Race, not for the world's title, but me and Tony Atlas against Holly Race and Ole Anderson in the Omni on the 16th. That night, you're going to mark it down because, brother, let me tell you something. They go around and talk about people having soul, talk about people being cool, talking about, well, he's got a lot of soul because he's black, or he's got a lot of soul because he's white. Hell, you cannot be, you know, you can't obtain soul by being jive. You got to be born with it, and it don't matter what color you are if you're born with it. And I'm born with it, and Tony Atlas is born with it. And Tony Atlas, I've had to go around my waist. Hmm. And there ain't no sweeter feeling than to wear the gold around your waist. And there ain't that many walking on the street that's had the gold around their waist. So on the 16th, in the Omni, me and Tony Atlas, Holly Race, Ola Anderson, it's going to get down to soul train time. And like I say, it's just two men, two people. Because me and Tony are people. 
We ain't got no bad there. And I will touch Harley Race again. And when Tony wins the title, I want my shot at it. And Harley, you always said, it'd take a good man to beat me. Didn't take me long, though, did it? Let me tell you something, Rose. You come on down here. You come down with Tony Atlas, you two thieving people. You come on down and let's see what you can do. The 16th is all right. Harley and I are coming down to that Omni. We're going to see. You promise that you're going to touch Mr. Harley Race one more time. Well, if you put a fist, his fist up against your nose, if that's the kind of touching you want, that that's the kind of touching you're going to get. Both of you, down at the Omni, me and Race, Anderson and Race against Rhodes and Atlas. And that sets it up, Jamie. A tag team matchup coming up January 16th in the Omni. It's Dusty Rhodes teaming with Tony Atlas to take on the team of Ole Anderson and the NWA world champion, Harley Race. Dusty and Atlas looking to take down Ole and Race in just a couple weeks' time. Dusty said he promised he wouldn't wrestle Harley Race for the world title again, but Atlas is now the number one contender. And Dusty says when Tony Atlas wins the title from Harley Race, then Dusty will get his title shot from Tony Atlas. And it's not a black thing, Jamie. It's not a white thing, because you're born with soul, so says the dream. And Dusty, he may not wrestle Harley Race for the world title again, he says, but in the Omni on the 16th, he's coming for tag team action. So we will see Dusty get his hands on Harley Race one more time. Mm, man, Dusty could sell a show. So you're going to tell me that little Ray Russell watches this show as a kid. <laughs> as soon as it goes off at 8.05, is it going into the other room? Dad, we gotta go to the Omni. We gotta see Dusty and Tony Atlas take care of Ole Anderson and Harley Race. Yeah, if I lived in Atlanta, and if I uh, was old enough to have uh, uttered that those complete sentences at that point in time, that would have definitely been something I did. I, I go back and I told my brother, I think, this story not too long ago, just a few weeks ago on the phone. It was either the first or second Survivor Series here at the Richfield Coliseum. I know they were both here. I don't remember which one it was. But uh, they were doing the report, the first report announcing the first match or whatever it was on the on the pay-per-view. And I ran in there. And my grandparents raised me. Mama and Papa, I called them. Mama, Papa, Mama, Papa. I got to go to this show. You know, so, yeah, you, you're damn well right that ha- had I been in that area, the Omni in 1981, this this would have talked me right into the building. Dusty Rhodes is doing what he does best. And of course, Ole Anderson responds. Classic example. Both of them of talking fans into the seats, selling tickets 101 here, guys, from both ends. Yeah, it, it's classic. If you get a chance, please go back and watch this whole saga between these four guys. Uh, just not what you just heard. Go back and watch it because you need to see the expressions on their face. It's it's just great. And then as we get done with that portion of this show, I realize that that was just the beginning of Georgia Championship. That was just the beginning of the program this week here at 6.05. As so often happens on TBS. Yeah. A lot of times they had hot openings. We follow that up with a few matches here. Another TV action, Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas over Ron Cheatham. National heavyweight champion, the Mongolian stomper, Don Carson in his corner, beating Pat Rose in under four minutes. That's his gimmick. And uh, Joe LaDuke scoring a win over Jimmy Jones here. And then from there... It's Mr. Wrestling 2 defeating Bobby Eaton by disqualification here in 4 minutes and 30 seconds when Eaton intentionally tosses Wrestling 2 over the top rope right in front of the referee, Nick Patrick, Nick Hamilton. Not really sure what he's going by here. Don't even know if he has a name on TV, but this also will mark Bobby Eaton's first Georgia TV appearance, Jamie. Right, which makes that 
result at the Omni. It's just a little, little weird because it seems like he was going to be a face, and now two days later, he's a heel. Yeah, I think they were just, uh, you know, out there to throw him a bone, I suppose, at the Omni. Good point. I didn't even think of that. You know, he's wrestling the assassin that would automatically make Eaton the de facto baby face at the Omni, and now here on TV, he's uh, intentionally throwing wrestling two over the top rope. Now, during the match, Don Carson also came to ringside. Carson feuding or, or managing the Mongolian Stomper, who's currently feuding with wrestling two. Carson coming to ringside, trying to encourage Bobby Eaton to go after the mask of wrestling two, but all that did was fire two up instead. He connected with the knee lift, the million-dollar knee lift. Bob Eaton taking the bump out through the ropes and into the floor. And then once back inside, Eaton maybe feeling like he can't get the job done here. He intentionally grabs two, tosses him over the top rope for that DQ loss. And then we go on from there. We get a promo from Don Carson. He's standing by with the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper. Stomper standing there breaking multiple hickory blocks over his head in preparation for his upcoming matches with Wrestling 2, perhaps preparing for the knee lift. I'm not really sure what was going on there, though. Stomper also doing a gimmick where apparently he has some sort of an inner ear problem, and he, he can't take crowd noise. Uh, apparently attempt to draw some heat, more noise from the crowd. Yeah, this is when he put the uh, the amateur wrestling gear on his ears, correct? Right. He didn't have them on his ears here, but this that that, that would play into that as well. And we continue on with the show. We heard from the Mongolian Stompers manager, Don Carson, the Stompers standing there breaking blocks of wood over his head, showing how tough he is. And then on the other end, now we hear from the challenger in the feud. Let's hear from Mr. Wrestling 2. He wants above all to get that mask off of you. Gordon, you know, you have known me for a long time. And you know very well that I don't come out here and beat my gums just to hear myself talk. You know, I've told wrestlers time and time again that the one thing that they don't do is touch my mask. Now, I don't, I don't say this because, because I like to hear myself talk. I don't say these things because I'm trying to pass on some kind of a fantasy to you. I'm telling you where I'm coming from, pal. No one fools with my mask. That is mine and mine only. Well, on the 16th at the Omni in Atlanta, it apparently it seems this man's out after him. Let me tell Carson something right now. You direct your man any way you want. You tell him what you want. I don't care. But the one thing you better tell him is to stay away from my mask. That is mine and Stumper. If you so much as look at it cross-eyed, I'm going to beat your brains in. You come out here breaking boards over your head. Well, in the Omni, we'll see how you can handle a two-by-four. Now, there it is. Uh, Wrestling 2 referencing Stomper breaking those blocks over his head. Stomper, you better get ready because he's going to have a two by four knocked over his head here pretty soon. See what I did there, Jamie? And there's one thing you don't do. You don't go after number two's mask. The mask is his. And boy, does he sound pissed here, but when does he not? Grumpy Wrestling 2, coming for the Stomper and the national title. Mr. Wrestling 2 is like Stone Cold Steve Austin 27 years early. <laughs> oh, He's going to stop a mud hole in the <laughs> Mongolian Stomper. And walk it dry. Show continues on. We get a Tony Atlas promo yet again, leading to Ole Anderson coming out and attacking Atlas right here on the program, which promptly leads to a match being made right here today. In fact, after the commercial break and after the break, it is 
Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas going to a double countout with Ole Anderson in about six minutes time as they brawl throughout the studio, having to be pulled apart multiple times by several officials and wrestlers, Jamie. Yeah, and how about how loud that studio audience is? You watch a WWF TV taping from that time period, and they're in a bigger arena, and the studio audience of the TBS studio sounds louder than that. And this was one of the beautiful things about Georgia Championship Wrestling. Every now and then, you'd get an impromptu matchup like this. Yeah, and uh, that's an excellent point. That It's such a small crowd. And that's what I was thinking of, the TV studio audience. Such a small crowd and a great comparison to WWF's arenas up there for Championship Wrestling and All-Star, uh, which feature a lot more fans who, I won't say they sit on their hands, but they're certainly not as active or into the program nor do they really give them the reason to be a lot of the time. But uh, it's just an amazing thing here. And an excellent segue for me here. I don't know if you were reading my notes or what the deal was there, Jamie, but just hot and awesome action between Tony Atlas and Ole Anderson. And to show you guys just how hot it was, here it is. A brief sound clip of the melee at the end of the match, the double count out, the brawling outside of the ring. It's Gordon Soli on commentary with a very loud studio audience. Anderson back into that ring finally, and everybody, these two just don't want to stop. They absolutely do not want to stop, and we've got a free-for-all going. Well, we've got to get some order restored here. We'll be back. We'll be back as soon as we get order restored. Gordon Sully going a little crazy there, and he's having to shout over the crowd who's just really into that wild nonsense all throughout the uh, TV studio. Yeah, I actually had that in my notes that I have here. I see it in your notes, but that I actually uh, had remarked about that when I uh, was rewatching everything a few uh, yeah, weeks back. Yeah, I, I love it, too, because, I mean, it was a perfect segue. Because <laughs> I, I, I normally don't just grab sound bites of matches or, or things going on in matches because you kind of got to see what was going on to really uh, enjoy it. But in this instance, the crowd was just so hot. I was like, I got to grab a clip of this. So. It worked out great, Jamie. I- I'm glad you noticed it, too. Yeah, and and actually, even the regular squash matches, oh, the yeah. crowd is always into it and cheering for that underdog. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They're, they're definitely, and even when they had no reason to be into something, they entertained themselves. So the crowd came to have fun each and every week here in TBS Studios. Yes, they did. In TBS, or if you go back and watch old Florida or or Memphis, or to a little bigger extent, the old uh, Shreveport Irish McNeil's Boys Club. Right, yes. Th- those those crowds are rabid the entire um, taping. Yeah, they uh, they love them some wrestling, no doubt about it. It was real, damn it. It was real to them, and that's all that mattered. <laughs> back to the ring again. Wow, we just saw Ole Anderson versus Tony Atlas on TV. And we head back to the ring, and we see national TV champion Kevin Sullivan taking on the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, Les Thornton, here this week. Steve-O going to join for commentary in a really fun TV match that goes the time limit draw, about 10 minutes shown here, as Kevin Sullivan goes for a cover late in the match after suplexing Les back in over the top rope, back into the ring. Sullivan going to go for the cover, but the bell sounds, leading to a time limit draw. And feeling robbed post-match, Sullivan getting in a cheap shot sucker punch to Thornton after the bell before exiting the ring. Yeah, they really put over the fact with Les Thornton that he faced all comers because here's a match that he faces a heel. He's going to face the uh, babyface Steve-O eventually down the line. 
And this continues most of his run as NWA World Junior Champion. Uh, he took on all comers. And at this point in the show, it's profile time here this week. This week's focus is who else but the Booker Man himself, Robert Fuller. And I can't find this segment anywhere out there from any source. So I was able to actually read a piece by Walt Walansky. So I want to thank Walt for all of the work he used to do back in the day, uh, writing these Georgia Championship Wrestling write-ups of really detailed promo reviews uh, going back to this time period. I was able to piece a lot of things together that wasn't out there thanks to some of his work that he did that was uh, in the old fanzines, the old Terry Justice things, the old Shedlock magazines and things like that. Yeah, his, his name used to come up a lot when I was uh, first getting involved with uh, newsletters. Uh, unfortunately, I never met Walt, but I think someone told me he was actually from Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I uh, saw his profile. He's on Facebook. I hate to say that. I probably should have said that out here in the public, but it's easy to find. Uh, he's It's definitely somewhere up there in the northeastern area. I can't remember where. I, I tried to friend him. I don't know how active he's, he is because I wanted to see if he had some missing results that I was looking for, but... uh. Uh, it's a no-go so far. So, Walt, if you're out there, if anybody out there knows him, let him know Ray Russell's trying to get in touch with him, with him just trying to preserve some history here, guys. Uh, but for now, it's profile time, and thanks to Walt, I get this detailed note of what took place here. And we go to a VTR of Robert Fuller standing outside by a Lincoln Continental Town Car, Jamie. And bear with me here, guys. It's a little bit of a story here, as uh, perhaps Robert Fuller feels he hasn't quite caught on with the fans here in Georgia like he wanted to by this point, so he talks his family's wrestling history. Robert's father, Buddy Fuller, the story goes, changed his name from Welch to Fuller, the last name, in order to remove himself from having to compete with the Welch family name, make a name for himself. So Buddy Fuller's father being Roy Welch and Roy's three brothers, Jack, Herb, Lester Welch, all professional wrestlers and in the business for quite a while as promoters as well. The Fuller name is something that Robert says he and his brother Ron continue to use to this day. Robert Fuller then sort of makes excuses for why his grandfather Roy and maybe Roy's brothers didn't get the opportunities that Robert gets these days. He says, they wrestled in an era where the wrestlers, they had no highways. The travel was far rougher on them and they wrestled less often because of that and simply didn't get the opportunities that Robert Fuller gets today. Not really sure where he was going with all that, but I wrote, Okay, whatever. Fuller, though, talks about winning the recent two-ring battle royal and the $30,000 or whatever it was. Then he brings up winning this Lincoln Continental, this 1979 town car sitting here behind him. He says he won it about a year ago in a tournament in Dothan, Alabama. He says prizes that big weren't given away to his father or his grandfather back in the old days. He says that money, you can win it and spend it, Jamie. A trophy? You can polish it and put it on a shelf. But this car here will still be sitting in his garage under a canvas when Robert's 60 years old. And it'll look just as new then as the day that he won it. If Fuller was to get hurt tomorrow and never wrestle again, he'll still be able to drive around this car with pride. From there, Robert Fuller brings up his current partner, Ted DiBiase, stating that he never met Ted until this run here in Georgia but their fathers crossed paths many years ago and fought with one another in Arizona when both Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller were just kids. Hearing Ted talk about his father, Iron Mike DiBiase, and remembering the battles that he had with his father, Buddy Fuller, gives Robert even more respect for Ted today as both men have wrestling in their blood. Wow, long-winded story there. Sorry, guys, but 
I had to get it out to let you guys know that uh, this is the story that they're telling, and it's uh, pretty cool that this promo was it was set to, up to do a lot of things. Fuller trying to explain his family's history here. He's third generation. Third generation starts starting in the 1970s. Just insane to think about. And, and he puts over his friendship, the commonalities he has with partner Ted DiBiase. And of course, they subliminally work in the Lincoln Continental into the backdrop of the video, as well as during the promo. And for very good reason, as we'll find out here shortly. And I, I hate to keep bringing this up, but I was raised on WWF. Right. This is something even back then, they may mention lineage, but even Vince McMahon Sr. would never have them cut a promo like that, giving detailed history of their family. Right. And But this is something that did happen in the South a lot. Winnie that Cadillac was actually from another promotion, which is something WWF really just never did. And this is something that the Southern promotions did do. And another reason that when I first started watching Georgia wrestling, then getting tapes later on captivated me and made me want to watch even more because it made it kind of like today, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, everything was tied in. Right. And I, honestly, I don't know if this is out there. I've never seen it, but I'd love uh, to, if anybody has this, to contact me, drop me a DM or, or something on Twitter and let me know. I'd be happy to trade you guys something because I'd really like to see this promo from Robert Fuller. It's uh it's like you said, it's not very common that you get something like this. And it just sounded really in-depth and uh, really interesting. Yeah, and I wish I had seen it. And from there, the profile on Robert Fuller. We're back in the studio for what else but yet another Robert Fuller promo. This time he's standing by with Ted DiBiase. Uh, on the 16th at the Omni in Atlanta, a match has been signed. The Freebirds are refusing to put up their title under the 30-day ruling, but you two at least will have a chance to avenge uh, something for your good friend Stan Frazier. That's right, and that's exactly what we plan to do. Now, we've asked for no disqualification stipulation on this match. The reason we want it, we're going to put those hosts back on them again, and when Mr. Michelle... The little lady comes running in the ring to, to try to break us up. It don't take very long to just snap that leg, brother, right there. And that's one thing that we're going to be doing because you hurt Frazier, and when you hurt him, you meant to do it. You meant to drop him on his head, and that's what we're going to be doing to you when we meet you. Well, Gordon, what, what Robert's saying is right here is the Freebirds have come in here, and they've showed everybody that they're not out to simply win wrestling matches and exactly. be champions. They want to get in the ring, and they want to cripple people. They want to hurt people. So with this no disqualification rule on the match, that's what we're going to do. You fight fire with fire. You get down in a snake pit with a snake, and you crawl on that's your right. belly just like one, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to get exactly them, and we're right. going to take the fight right to broke next time. You want to go with a snow DQ. All right, and so there you have it. They talked their rematch with the fabulous Freebirds upcoming on the 16th, and it's going to be no disqualification. But the national tag team titles are not on the line, Jamie. The Freebirds exercising their 30-day rule. The baby faces just want revenge this time out for themselves and Stan Frazier. And once again, Michael Hayes outsmarts Robert Fuller and DiBiase. Right, and that's going to continue on for some time to come. I can't wait to get into all of that. Uh, show goes on, though. So after the Fuller and DiBiase promo, we get DiBiase in the ring, scoring a victory over Rick Craven, and then it's back to Gordon Soley, this time standing by with the national tag team champions, the fabulous Freebirds. They're going to respond to Robert Fuller and DiBiase's comments. Let's hear what they have to say. I'm sure they've heard some comments and have some comments. You know, something beauty has just entered the Superstation Studios. I feel beautiful. My brothers look beautiful. 
you know something, everybody's screaming and hollering this and that and that and this. And you know, I'm getting bored with Fuller and DiBiase. We need some incentive to wrestle them because we beat them so many times. And earlier, you pre-recorded a little tape with Robert Fuller, am I right? Well, we happened to be in one of the many control rooms, and I saw something that I believe I'd like, something like a $17,500 Lincoln Continental. They talking about they want a title match. Baby, I'd like to have your car. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's getting boring. It's getting monotonous. I want the man's Continental. He's so proud of it. If he's got enough belief in him and Ted DiBiase's ability, why don't you put it on the line? I mean, it's everything for us to lose and nothing to gain. With All I want to do is just take the man's dreams, anything he's got, anything DiBiase's got. Because, you know, we've got a van, we got a Thunderbird, we got a, even a Mark IV. But I want Robert Fuller's cup. Well, well first of all, you're meeting him on January 16th at the Omni. The title is not at stake, and certainly, I'm sure Robert Fuller in no way is going to put that automobile. Listen, baby, all I want to say is this. Tonight we're going to Carrollton. Friday night we're going to get down in Porterdale. And then on the 16th, we'll boogie down to the Omni. And I'm challenging you in front of national people, in front of everybody in the country. If you've got such belief in your ability, if you think you're so hot stuff, put up your big Lincoln Continental and we'll drive away. <laughs> well, that's, that's ridiculous. Let's turn to our ring announcer. So Michael Hayes noticed something in that profile on Robert Fuller, Jamie. He noticed that $17,500 Lincoln Continental. That's $61,000 in today's money, by the way, guys, that uh, Robert Fuller uh, was showing off there in the background of his profile promo. And Hayes says he'd like to own that Lincoln Continental and the rematch upcoming scheduled for the Omni on January 16th. Well, he happens to know that the titles aren't on the line. Michael Hayes says maybe if Robert Fuller would be so kind to put up that town car, put the town car on the line in return, the Freebirds would agree to put up their national tag team titles as well. Hmm. The plot thickens. And Michael Hayes, the puppet master, continues his work. You have to think, I know Robert Fuller's booking right now, but you have to think Michael Hayes Nobody books this intricately and so well done uh, for anybody unless they're booking it themselves. You'd have to think there's just so much little things, the little things that Michael Hayes does here. This has to be stuff that he learned from Watts. You would think. You would have to think. I mean, and I'm sure DiBiase had input here also, and, and the Fuller family and Watts go all the way back into Florida. So, you know, thinking back, maybe this is the very beginning of the of the Bill Watts uh, we know he did a little bit in, in Georgia in 80, just the beginning of his in, influence in 81. Yeah, it would be interesting. To, well, we know dogs coming and things like that. So that it's very possible that, that Watts could already be kind of uh, tossing Robert Fuller some ideas of ways to continue this. Because, again, guys, this is not a once a month deal. This is, uh, you know, a weekly episodic story. And uh, the Omni comes around every two, three weeks, depending on the, the situation. Right. And you're, you know, one of the things with the Southern promotions back at that time, it, the term hot shotting, and they had to do a lot of hot shotting to keep people coming in every week. Yeah. I mean, you really had no option in particular in Memphis because you were in the same arenas every week. Right. I used week to always. After I, week after week. I mean, I don't think Georgia did it, but 
you know, Memphis, I remember when I was first getting newsletters in, right. in 81, they would give the whole week's worth of Memphis, and you'd see that Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee beat Jimmy Valiant and Tommy Rich for the Southern Tag Belts in every city every night. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you can't really blame them. I mean, with the tapes being bicycled the way they were, they kind of had to do things whenever. And nobody knew what was going on in the other cities. They were far enough apart that they got away with it. And uh, it worked out for the Memphis Territory. And again, I used to say this all the time. Booking the Memphis Territory every week was like booking a month anywhere else. Great comment. So we heard from Michael Hayes. He said, hey, I caught a glimpse of that car you were pimping in the background there during your promo, Robert Fuller. And I, I happen to know our tag team titles are on the line. So why don't you put that car up, put the title for that car up against our national tag team titles? Very confident there is Michael Hayes as we go to the ring and we see the national tag team champions, Gordy and Buddy Roberts here. Michael Hayes in their corner, no doubt, defeating the team of Pat Rose and Steve O. And then we get more tag team action from the other side. Of the coin, it's Robert Fuller teaming with Ted DiBiase, scoring a win here on TV over Ken Timms and Chick Donovan. And then it's back to Gordon Soley one more time. We're going to hear from Robert Fuller and Ted DiBiase. This time, they're going to respond to the offer made by Michael Hayes. It's just exactly what we want. We put those holts on them again. Michael Hayes can run in there all he wants to because the match won't be stopped for that. We're going to have the belts. We don't worry about the car. That's over there. What we worry about is the belts, and the belts we're going to have. That's what we're right going for. We're going for the belts, and something I want the Freebirds to know, Gordon, is this. There's a lot that Robert and I have got in common, a lot more than you guys will ever understand. We grew up in this wrestling business from the time we were this high, and we watched wrestlers. Wrestling has put clothes on our back and a roof over our head all our lives. Gordon, you know, and a lot of people watching know that my father died in the ring. He oh, gave right. his life for this business, and nothing means more to us than the wrestling business, and we would like to see nothing better than to put the likes of you completely out of it. No disqualification match, the car, we don't care what it is, we're going to well, get the job done. Let, let me see if I can clarify this then you two are in effect telling me right now that on january 16th at the omni you're putting your you, you're putting your lincoln continental against the belts that, is that, is that that's right? exactly right with a no disqualification clause that's very important ted said it right there i went to my first wrestling match when i was 15 days old in my mother's arm wrestling is the world to me and it's the same way to ted we deserve those titles we'll have those titles and there ain't no third man going to keep us from getting them this time buster the car is there the belts are going to be right here come the 16th there's right no doubt here. about it None. and there it was robert fuller agreeing to put his $17,000 Lincoln Continental Town Car on the line in a no-disqualification match for the tag team titles against the Freebirds at the Omni January the 16th. The Freebirds are facing a second and third generation star here in DiBiase and Fuller. Fuller says he attended his first wrestling show when he was 15 days old. I kind of believe that. Now as for Ted DiBiase, his father, well his stepfather, died in the ring, did Mike DiBiase. He gave his life to this professional wrestling business, so these guys are all about tradition and are ready for the rematch with the Freebirds with all of the stipulations in tow. And if Atlas and Dusty against Ole and Race wasn't enough to get you to go to the Omni, now they're putting the car up. You have to think that DiBiase and Fuller are winning the belts on this night. And it was so masterful. Every little piece of this puzzle here you might groan nowadays if, if they're telling a story throughout an episode of Raw, and these guys, they don't know how to cut promos, most of them. 
But back then, man, everything was just great. I mean, subtlety is what started it. Robert Fuller's just in happenstance talking in front of this car. And oh, oh, well, this car is here. Let me tell you a story about this car. And Michael Hayes sees the car and he says, I'd like to have that car. And it just leads to this by the end of the show. Unbelievable storytelling all within a two hour segment here in Georgia Championship Wrestling. They knew how to do TV back then. And that wraps it up this week on TV, just one week into Georgia TV. And holy wow, already amazing stuff going on. As we move on, I want to stop real quick. January 7th, Georgia made a stop in Columbus at the Memorial Auditorium. Main event featured Mr. Wrestling 2 defeating the national champion Mongolian Stomper on a disqualification. So Wrestling 2 is working some of the main events, at least in the Fred Ward part of town. And, And when I say that, I don't mean... I'm shocked that Wrestling 2 is working the Stomper because they're feuding. But, I mean, uh, Tony Atlas didn't make this card, and they have no problem uh, putting Wrestling 2 in here in the main event with the Stomper. Well, Wrestling 2 is beloved across the state, and that's certainly good enough to be a main event. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and uh, President Jimmy Carter would back that statement up. And Billy. And their mother. And their mother. (laughs) You know, on on a side note, yeah, I still have, I still have a can. I used to collect beer cans back in the day. Right on. I have a full can of Billy beer in my attic. Wow. I wonder if it's uh, from, evaporated from that from that time. It's been years since I've opened up the boxes. Um, next time I go up there, I'll have to see if I can find it. That's it might have evaporated by now, but when I moved seventeen years ago, it was still at least half full. That's that's pretty damn awesome. I don't have any cool stories like that. I collected a lot of beer bottles uh, when when uh, brewing and everything became like a, a new thing or a, a big thing, maybe, say, 20 years ago. I have a ton of them in my storage room, and I stopped collecting like 15 years ago. So I don't know. I probably should just get rid of them. But, yeah, it just, uh, just made me think about that. But, man, that's pretty damn awesome. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and unfortunately, no wrestling games. Yeah, you should see what that would go for on eBay, man. Uh, yeah, I should. I mean, I have a bunch of... Um... Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Iron City used to put out all kind of commemorative uh, stuff for the Steelers, Pirates, and Penguins. Oh, right on. I have all them up in the attic somewhere. I'm not allowed to be a Steelers fan, being a Browns fan, so that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> well, they were my AFC team, you know, Pennsylvania growing up. I get you. I get you. Uh, we roll on, though. So we, we, uh, we took a look at January 3rd. We're going to fast forward another week into January 10th TV at TBS Studios. Lots of uh, results here this week. Again, lots of matches going on over that two-hour period, including the return of Charlie Cook back in Speaking the Speaking of football, Charlie Cook. Yeah, Charlie Cook, there you go. Pittsburgh Steelers. And he was a Steeler, too, That's wasn't That's right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wow, we really went back toward that one. There you go, Jamie. Good catch. Charlie Cook back in the Georgia territory this week, scoring a win over Bobby Garrett to kick the show off. Also on the show, Steve O over Ron Cheatham. Freebirds, Gordy and Roberts over Bill Dromo and Tom Hart. Robert Fuller and Ted DiBiase teaming up over the team of Rocket Monroe and James Spurlock. Mr. Wrestling 2 defeating Jack Poor. Joe LaDuke over Rick Craven. Bobby Eaton scoring a win over Pat Rose. And then it's national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper, defeating uh, a masked man, a masked job guy, in about a minute's time. But we're going to get back to that match in a minute. But first, first we'll hear from Tony Atlas, Jamie. Both he and Ole Anderson were apparently suspended from TV after their studio fight last week, but it appears that Tony Atlas's side of the suspension has been lifted. Let's listen to both sides. First, it's Tony Atlas, as well as a VTR from Ole Anderson. 
Tony Atlas and uh, Ole Anderson. However, uh, it has now been uh, decreed that uh, Tony Atlas has been reinstated. He is the Georgia heavyweight champion, but Ole Anderson has been suspended indefinitely from wrestling on television. He is not suspended from appearing or making an interview, but he is suspended from wrestling here on television. And right now, uh, we'll be back with Tony in just a moment, but right now, here's an important word for us. I mean, of course, uh, as we said, Tony, uh, Ole Anderson is suspended from wrestling on uh, in competition here on television. However, he is not suspended from uh, previously recorded or pre-recorded interviews. We have one right now that I think you should listen to. It's amazing. You know, Tony Atlas, when he gets in there and starts scuffling around, everything is great as long as he's looking good. But as soon as he doesn't look too good, then everybody has to run in and try to help him to preserve his image. His image as a Mr. USA, as a Mr. Strongman, the man that could bench press 500 pounds, as an undefeated wrestler, as a man who is the number one contender for the world's heavyweight title. Well, I told Tony Atlas and I told everybody else within hearing that there's no way that Tony Atlas is ever going to get the world championship belt. And if I can think about it, he's not even going to get a chance at the world champion again. But right away, something's got to happen. He's got to have help from Dusty Rhodes, or he's got to have help from the people. Now they're going to bar us from the studio. Well, they're not barring us. They're only going to bar me because they're afraid that I'll beat Tony Atlas right here in front of everybody. Well, they better be afraid. Everybody better be afraid. Because on the 16th, nobody's going to stop me from coming to the Omni. Nobody is going to stop Harley Race. Every time Race gets into a match, he's got to worry about his belt. Except this time. This time, he doesn't have to worry about anything. He's got nothing to lose. No belt is on the line. All he has to do is be just like me, Ole Anderson. Just be tough and rugged and beat Atlas and Rhodes. Yay! Well, this coming Friday night, we're going to find out. You and Dusty as tag team partners against Harley Race and this man, Ole Anderson. Well, you know, Ole Anderson got out here and he said that ain't nobody going to stop him from coming to the Omni. Well, you let me tell you something, Ole Anderson. I wouldn't stop you from coming to Atlanta, Georgia. I wouldn't stop you from coming to Georgia. I wouldn't stop you from coming to the Omni because I want you there because I can't beat you if you're up in Minnesota or somewhere. If you think that you and Hollywood could beat me at Dusty Road, bring yourself on. Now, you might get some people to believe that I jumped in, but you got to prove all right and i do apologize there guys i said it was going to be tony talking first followed by Oli, and it was the other way around but so both tony and Oli were temporarily suspended after the issues in the studio last week jamie but atlas has been reinstated and he's still the georgia heavyweight champion that's important to note as well however Oli is suspended indefinitely from wrestling in the tv studio since he instigated things uh but can still wrestle on the house shows and send in video interviews. In reality, Ole Anderson in the Carolinas right now also booking for JCP. It's a clever out here with this quote-unquote suspension angle to give Ole some time away from the Georgia studios and a very believable one as well. Yeah, Ole wasn't a dummy at this point yet. <laughs> and like clockwork, of course, Anderson sends in a VTR because you can't be in the studio, but we'll let you send in a video. And of course, Ole has no problem cutting a promo talking about everyone coming to Tony's rescue and the higher-ups barring only Ole Anderson from TV simply to stop him from putting Tony Atlas out of wrestling. But nothing will stop Ole on January the 16th at the Omni when he teams with Harley Race to come after Dusty Rhodes and Tony Atlas this Friday night. Ugh, you get goosebumps every time you tell the date this Friday night, tomorrow, tonight. It's, uh, it's coming this week. 
And if you haven't bought your ticket yet, you better get to the Omni box office as soon as you can. And I don't know about you, Oli usually never really has a tell. Usually he's just an angry, grumpy man that wants revenge or he, he, he wants to win a title. He's always got a goal. But this time, some of the comments he made, it almost felt like Oli was a little jealous. Here, Tony Atlas, he, he doesn't get suspended, but I do. Who's they? It's me. Uh, Tony Atlas gets rescued from everyone and everything. I'm the one that's got to do everything the hard way. So Ole Anderson, a little bit of jealousy there. Absolutely. Very jealous of Atlas. And when it comes Friday night, Atlas is going to pay for all this. So later in this show, we get another promo from Tony Atlas. He's fed up with everything going on. Uh, these, these hired guns and things coming after him, presumably put in place by Harley Race and Ole Anderson. Just a really quick promo here again from Tony Atlas. And, of course, that uh, created even more problems, Tony. Well, you know, old Anderson, he's the kind of person, he don't respect anything. He don't have no respect for his family. Anytime a man turn on his own brother, you know, he ain't much respect to him. Old Anderson seemed like uh, he just uh, wanted to just stop me. He said, I don't have no business trying for the world's title. He said, I ain't got no business in professional wrestling. I ain't got no business in the ring. My can don't even belong in professional wrestling. I don't know what old Anderson is talking about when he get out there talking about my can. As far as I'm concerned, I'm just a wrestler just like everybody else out trying to make a living and, and support myself and, and do my best uh, in that ring. But if old Anderson, anytime you want to fight, if they, I fight him, if you want to wrestle, then I wrestle him. I don't care what he has to do. I do it against him as long as the man meet me head up. Because old Anderson, I'm going to tell you, I had gotten fed up with people getting in my way because I worked hard trying to go somewhere. People go get in my way, talk about whooping me, putting me out, out of wrestling, going to do this and that to me. Old Anderson, anytime you think you can do something that's to me, you come on in the way. And brother, it ain't going to be like last time because I'm going to just go ahead and take you into the street. Now, I know you got more wrestling experience than I got, but old Anderson, I got more fighting ability than you got. And I got more ability to knock you out and get your finger than you got in your whole body. So old Anderson, if you want to take it to the street, brother, you bring it on because I show you some stuff you can't learn in professional wrestling. Well, obviously, of course, this sort of situation will not happen here on television because Ole Anderson is now indefinitely suspended. So, talked about Ole saying that Tony's kind doesn't belong in wrestling. Then he references Ole turning on his own brother, talking about Lars there last year. Tony knows Ole has more wrestling experience, but Atlas has more fighting experience. And he's coming to fight on January the 16th. Everybody really upsetting Tony Atlas right now. I wouldn't want to be on the other side of the ring. Yeah, Ole, again, here we go, putting the pieces together, all the fine stuff. Always talking about Tony Atlas being too kind during uh, that interview. Very good emotional interview from Tony Atlas there. I don't know if he really felt it or what the deal was. You don't hear that a lot from him, to be honest with you. Yeah, he was getting choked up. And right, that's probably one of the most powerful interviews I've ever heard Atlas give. And the show goes on. It's more Tony Atlas, Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas in the ring, taking on a mask fellow by the name of the Russian Assassin. And that match is going to go to a no contest in about six minutes' time, and it's pretty obvious from the start who this man is. The Masked Man tries to maim Atlas here in the match, which only fires Tony up, and he unmasks this masked Russian to reveal Alexis Smirnoff under the hood, leading to a no-contest brawl here again this week. Smirnoff screaming, we're going to get you, to Tony Atlas. Smirnoff here, used here as a hired gun by the likes of Harley Race and Ole Anderson, and it doesn't help the mystique that Smirnoff has been wrestling in this very singlet and boots, Jamie, for the past couple weeks, if not the past year. But the story itself is fun. Yeah, it wasn't um, covered up very well. And I wonder, I'm guessing Smirnoff and Ole must have been real-life friends because 
he had a nice long run in Georgia. I mean, he disappears there a little bit in the fall, only to return in December, and now, you know, he's back in January again. Yeah, and he, he plays a part in the main event of that January 1st Omnicard as well. Good call. I was wondering what the hell of all people, what was Alexis Smirnov doing out there? He'd already jobbed Atlas earlier on in the night, and, and, and so that kind of made sense, Atlas on the other side, but what was the end game going forward for Smirnov, and he gets a little play here on TV. Yeah, it's probably just a, a paycheck until he could figure out where he was landing next. And I believe he goes to Florida after this and teams up with uh, Volkov under the management of Lord Alfred Hayes. I could be wrong, but I think that's his next step after this. So we saw Tony Atlas and Alexis Smirnov, or well, originally the Russian assassin there. So the action continues on. More fun TV action here this week. National television champion Kevin Sullivan taking on the former champion and former best friend or good friend anyway, Steve Kern. And of course, remember, it was Kevin Sullivan stealing the TV title from Steve Kern with a cheap shot, uh, trying to help Steve Kern back in the ring, then unloading on him. What did you say Kevin Sullivan said? Steve Kern, <laughs> the referee tells you before the match, don't defend yourself at all times. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it sounds more like Schwarzenegger than a New England accent. But... The Boston Battler. Uh, uh, the Boston Battler. <laughs> so here we go. Kevin Sullivan taking on the former champion, Steve Kern. Finish sees, and I love this. I mean, I think any other uh, time frame, I, I probably wouldn't have uh, been a fan of this, but I, I loved it here because Kevin Sullivan has come up with some unique finishes over the last couple of months to retain this title. He did it with Terry Taylor on a count out a few weeks ago. And here this week, the finish sees Kevin Sullivan jump over the top rope, claiming that Steve Kern forced him over the top rope on an atomic drop. But Kevin clearly jumping over the rope on his own, selling it on the outside. He stands up perfectly fine out there on the, in the studio, but only when the referee's back is turned. When the referee turns back to look at Kevin Sullivan back down on the concrete, selling that terrible bump he took to the floor. Eddie Guerrero style here. Kevin Sullivan lying cheating and stealing his way to another victory as the referee disqualifies Steve Kern for something he didn't even do. Kevin Sullivan going to retain the title yet again this week. Once again, those small little details. And you know, it's so weird is I would say that had Guerrero done this in WCW, clearly we could have said Kevin Sullivan was the one that maybe gave him the idea going back to this time frame here. Oh but, yeah. Uh, Clearly, it was many years later that uh, Guerrero wound up doing this, and it really got over on WWE TV. But uh, I, I'm loving it here. Kevin Sullivan, the one week with the count out and Terry Taylor, putting him in a full Nelson intentionally on the outside, watching the referee make the count to nine, and then releasing the hold, giving himself just enough time to roll back in the ring. But Taylor doesn't have time to do it. It's a cheap way out, but it's just really fun going back and watching these things. You appreciate it more after the fact, I think. I mean, this is something that you would have thought Michael Hayes would be doing. Yes. But instead, it's it's Kevin Sullivan doing it. And for those that are watching the uh, the tapes from this time, again, notice the beginning of the transformation of Kevin Sullivan's body change. We're, we're almost to the point where the guy's totally ripped in about another two or three months. I'm not even going to try to the Boston accent here. Just uh, Kevin Sullivan, the bodybuilder, upcoming very soon indeed. And uh, up next on the TBS program, I grabbed this soundbite featuring what I deemed an odd promo from Mr. Wrestling 2. I'll explain on the other side. 
At the onset, I want to take a couple of moments to talk to Mr. Wrestling Number 2. He's done something rather unusual. This past week, he filed an application with the National Wrestling Alliance to become, uh, uh, the, have the right to become an official second in matches. I don't know how many people are aware of the fact that that is a necessity if anyone is going to second or be a manager. Well, it certainly is, Gordon, you know, and it's good reason why I've done this. You know, Tony Atlas has had uh, his problems with the, with the Freebirds. He's had his problems with uh, the uh, Stomper and Don Carson and you know I, I just feel it upon myself and I'm taking I'm taking it upon myself you might add uh, that I am going uh, and I've gone out and got me a license and any, at any time that I see that uh, um, a Tony Atlas or, or uh, the Fuller or anyone is being jeopardized by some manager or by some outside interference, I'm, I'm going to take it upon myself and just march myself out there and plank myself down and uh, give a little interference on my own behalf. Well, I can understand how you feel about that. And I know, of course, that uh, uh, the, the likes of the man like the Stomper, as an example, who holds the national television championship, a lot of people are very unhappy over the fact that he is the national television champion, or national champion, rather. Well, he holds that national championship belt for the simple reason of the outside interference once again by Don Carson, a man that makes himself available to uh, uh, Stomper when he finds himself in trouble. And I, as, like I said before, if that continues, I have got myself a license. I am legally going to be able to go out there and produce myself and stop all this nonsense because that's exactly what it is. So Don Carson, free birds, put it in your mind. You know, even the, 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 the stomper, and he, he's a, he is perhaps the most wild individual I've ever seen in my life. He stops at nothing. He ramps and raves and cuts and jabs and he digs at a person constantly. But... <laughs> what goes around comes around. Oh, well, there's certainly no question about that. My thanks very much, uh, Wrestling 2, for taking the time. Always a pleasure. Please. Okay, sir. And I'll tell you what, I think in, in all fairness to everybody concerned, however, uh, it's interesting to note that the Mongolian stomper has uh, an adversity toward anyone who uh, wears a mask. And uh, if I can, I want to uh, get a hold of uh, Don Carson and the stomper and have a little chat with them. All right, Wrestling 2, getting a cornerman license to become a second or a manager of sorts, planning to help prevent Don Carson and the Freebirds' Michael Hayes from outside interference during Stomper and Freebirds' matches, but I don't know that they even follow this up. I don't, I don't think they even mention this again. Do they, Jimmy? I don't even remember this. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to say, did this air on the regular TBS show or the best of? Because there's no fan interaction in the background. Ooh, good catch there. You know, I'm not sure. It was just in with all of my uh, Georgia from this week, and it did match up with the results that I read a Wrestling 2 promo here. So, But that's okay. a good catch. You you could be but right there. He sounds more like Bob Armstrong in that interview. It's <laughs> like a Bob Armstrong-type style instead of Wrestling 2. So now he's going from the grumpy old man to where he's going to be the savior. Yeah, he's, he's not going to put up with this anymore. He's going to protect everyone else. And that's what he's there for. He They're is gonna, Mr. Wrestling, too. You'll appreciate this. They're going to come first, and he's going to come number two, second. <laughs> Good one. So, uh, yeah, I just thought that was a really weird promo. And I was like, this is a awful. It's, I, it's not a bad promo, but it's just, it goes nowhere. And But I was like, it's so odd. I had to play it here on the show. If it did air on the best of on Sunday, he was probably just trying to kill time. They probably just said, uh, two go out there and... Kill some time in an interview. All right, show rolls on. Up next, it's the Freebirds, Fuller, and DiBiase feud continues on here. Remember, they have a rematch scheduled for the Omni on the 16th. No disqualification. 
The Birds will put up the national tag team titles now that Robert Fuller has agreed to put up his Lincoln Continental and returned. Fuller agreed to the, the deal, and the match has been signed. And right now, we're going to hear from both sides. We're going to hear from the Freebirds inside the studio with Gordon Soley, and then it's off to Robert Fuller and Ted DiBiase in a VTR with the town car. That is something. What you get, just spit it out, baby. You're talking about a Lincoln Continental. Something that I want, something that they want, because it is yours and the privilege of hurting your pride. All right, well, I'll tell you what's going to happen here. What's going to happen here? They saw the previously recorded profile. They challenged Robert Fuller to put his Lincoln Continental up against the Georgia Tag Team belt. Well, our Georgia Does championship... Does control? I don't know. The Georgia <laughs> Championship Wrestling Film Crew went on location this past week, talked to Robert Fuller and to Ted DiBiase, and I think you're going to find this very, very interesting. So let's what? switch now to that. What's this? Ted and I have been asked by the promotion of Georgia Championship Wrestling and Mr. Paul Jones to take just a minute of your time to discuss a bizarre challenge that took place just one week ago. A situation took place in which I was out on a profile and I talked about some of the prizes that I was lucky enough to win and Ted too and we won the $30,000 in the two-ring triple chance battle royal. And then uh, another prize that I won was this Continental car, this beautiful Continental that I won in Dalton, Alabama. This certainly is a proud moment for me as you might think because anytime you can take a person into your trophy case and show them something that you won it's a proud moment and this right here is certainly the proudest thing that i've ever been able to achieve in all of my life to win a car in a tournament like that ted asked me a question i'd like to explain before we get into anything else he said you know if you're putting up the car we're both in this thing together what am i putting up and that was a, a good question in one angle and another maybe not so good because uh, had the Freebirds had known what they could do to get this match with us, they probably could have gotten our right arms. They could have took our homes or took both of our cars or took anything away from us. Is that right, Ted? Well, it's certainly true, Robert. You know, I, I think that uh, the people have got to realize that there's a lot more at stake here than uh, the national tag team titles. There's a lot of pride involved. You know, it doesn't make me feel good or proud to have to be seen on national television looking the way that I do right now, but I think that it's good in the, in the fact that the people should see what I look like right now because this injury, I, I suffered a very severe ear injury at the hands of not one or two, but all three of the Freebirds in another match that, uh, that the people did not see. And, and it's very important for them to know that, that the seriousness of the situation, uh, we're putting everything on the line. It's just like Robert said, if the Freebirds had, had thought about it or realized it, uh, you know, we're in this thing together, and I would have put up my car with his car. I'd have put up, you know, any amount of money to get these guys back in the ring because, you know, Robert and I come from, from wrestling families. We come from a wrestling background. Uh, we were raised in professional wrestling. It's put a roof over our head and clothes on our back for as long as we can remember, and, and we feel like uh, there's an awful lot of pride at stake here. You know, we're we're, we're, we're wrestlers, we're, we're, uh, we're men, and we feel like that uh, there's no place in professional wrestling for, for uh, people like the Freebirds. I think that they're, uh, they downgrade professional wrestling, and there's no place for them. Well, I agree with that. And, you know, I go along with saying, and this is the thing that tops it all off, the reason we could put all of this up, the reason this car can be put up, the reason that Ted would have put his up, the reason that all of this is happening is that we want those titles. Now, that means so much to us. The pride that's involved in being Georgia Tag Team Championships, you know, it's a pride that just 
you just you can't get down into really how heavy this thing really is. That it's Ted's father's involved, my father's involved, our families. That that we didn't come up with a silver spoon. It was tough for us. We came along, and now we're, it's tough to get this shot, and that goes along with everything we've done since we've been in professional wrestling. It's a tough game, and we're going to go right to the end of it. This car is up, and that's a small point where I'm concerned. We're going to win them. Uh, right point, Robert, too, is that we would never make or accept a challenge like this if we had any doubt in our mind whether we could that's win good. it or not. Now, this match is a no-disqualification match, and that suits us just fine because when you deal with people like the Freebirds, you can't enter that ring and give the guy a break because you know that's he's it. not going to give you one. It's obvious by looking at this thing on my head that they didn't give me a break. And the only way you deal with a snake or compete with a snake is you get down on your belly and you crawl on the ground just like them and you fight them on, on, in their kind of a, uh, of a deal. And, uh, and I'll tell you, the way we were raised, if it comes to fighting, it comes to brawling and kicking and punching and gouging, we can get down with the best of them. Exactly, exactly, and that's what we plan to do. We just want you people to know right now, we want to be Georgia champions worse than anything else in this world, and we maintain we're going to be. Let's do a little riding, Ted. Okay. Listen, just one closing point on this thing. We plan to put this car up. We plan to come out the champions. That's the only way it can go. Right now, we're going to do a little sporting around and find out just how it's going to be where those belts are out. something baby we didn't have no daddy to help us get where we got in wrestling and i take pride you talk about pride i take a lot of pride in touring this country as a national champion when i walk the street i am a national champion and they are too well, Friday the 16th. There's a lot of things on my mind. And Athens, Georgia has national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs, and the Freebirds are coming, and Chattanooga's coming. But the main thing is the 16th, because on the 16th, it's insignificant about your car. What I want more than anything is your pride and your mind. You sleep on it, baby, because we're going to take your car, and we're going to drive your car, and we're going to take your pride. If you got dreams, we'll take that, too. All right, so that was an interesting piece of business there, and uh, I should have warned you guys in advance to kick back, relax, grab a beverage, because it was going to go on for a few minutes, and I actually edited it down to just the most important parts there. But Robert Fuller says, thankfully, the Freebirds didn't realize what, what the Freebirds could have got for this championship match. Uh, Fuller and DiBiase would have put up their houses for this opportunity. It's a good thing they didn't, Jamie. DiBiase talks a recent ear injury thanks to the fabulous Freebirds, but nevertheless, the challengers are ready for the title shot as the two men climb into the Lincoln Continental Town car and drive off to celebrate God knows what they were doing that night. On the other end, back in the studio, Michael Hayes talks about the birds taking pride in earning everything that they took here in professional wrestling. They didn't have no daddies to hand them everything here in this business. What a great line to end that. Yeah, and it all goes down this Friday night, says Gordon Soley. And again, gives me goosebumps when you hear things like that. You know it's coming up in just the next few days here. Six days away from all of this hot action. And we hear from both sides of uh, the coin there, and uh, they both do good jobs. The hard the sell's over. We know the stipulations are all in place thanks to last week's episode. So this week's is just another a couple of uh, really good promos to get the people in the building. 
and, and crafted so well. And especially with the part where with DiBiase and Fuller driving off into Lincoln. Looking back, <laughs> at, looking back at it many, many years later, even if you don't know what's going to happen, you knew what was going <laughs> to what what was going to happen just because they they drove off into the sunset that day. That's right. Uh, storybooks have happy endings. This is professional wrestling, folks. Yeah, ask Cody Rhodes. <laughs> also on January the 16th, the Stomper scheduled to defend his national heavyweight title against Mr. Wrestling 2. As we now hear from the manager of that national champion, the Stomper, I'm talking about Don Carson. Jordan Sully, what happened in that match right there in less than one minute? Less than one minute. If you're watching your little watch there, check the time. It was about 55 seconds, Mr. Gordon Sully. The mask is no longer on that man because, did you see his face, Gordon Sully? It's going to happen to everybody. This man cannot stand to have a mask in his presence. Do you understand? Well, I can remember, Are you course. getting the idea, Gordon? He cannot stand a man that's embarrassed to show his face. Well, I'll tell you what. There's one man that you have been unsuccessful in removing the mask from. You remember an incident that happened here on television. I thought we might... Uh, or, or, or the last time that uh, this Mongolian stomper went up against Mr. Wrestling 2, he did not get that accomplished. Let's take a look at that situation. Let's take a look over here at our monitor, if you will, Mr. Carson. Well, and of course, you're in that ring. Uh, the referee's attention is diverted, but the stomper still unable to get that mask off and I can assure you one thing uh, you'd rather step into a cage full of tigers than to uh, continue to mess with that mask of wrestling too. I'll tell you what Gordon Soli, this man the Mongolian stomper, this is what makes him the eighth one of the world. He cannot stand masks. He will not tolerate a man wearing a mask. That is unreal. Wrestling 2 is the happiest man in the world today because he still got his mask but he ain't gonna have it long. This man right here knows exactly how to tear a mask off not take it off he knows how to strip it down just like a banana gordon Sully. well you're speaking very confidently about a lot of things here uh uh, Mr. Carson. Gordon, I'm going to show you something right on national television that no other man has ever done in his whole life. Very, very shortly. I've already done that several times. Look, the man's going crazy with that mask. Well, on Friday the 16th at the Omni in Atlanta, a return match. Your man against Wrestling 2. Wrestling 2, I would like to make a prediction right here. That match at the Omni will go less than four minutes, just like on television, and you're bald head and your ugly face will be shown once again. Ladies and gentlemen, when I make a prediction, you can rest assured I know what I'm talking about. Wrestling 2's mask is coming off in the Omni, January the 16th, four minutes after the bell rings, Gordon Soli. Well, there you have it, and uh, just real quick, I want to touch on, uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys heard Don Carson refer to the Stomper at one point during that promo as the eighth wonder of the world. And we're going to revisit that here in a couple of weeks' time, no doubt. Uh, but intriguing gimmick here for the Mongolian Stomper. He's been facing Mr. Wrestling 2 on some of the house shows, but we now learn from manager Don Carson that the Stomper hates masks. He hates wrestlers in masks. Uh, boy, he'd have a field day down in Mexico, wouldn't he, Jamie? But <laughs> oh, yeah. mask wrestlers have, uh, apparently the mask wrestlers have something to hide. So says uh, Don Carson here in regards to uh, speaking for his man, the Stomper. But make no mistake, he doesn't fear masked men. He just hates 
Masked Men, kind of corny, but whatever. And I go back to the matches on the show this week. I'd mentioned it earlier on this episode of TV. The Stomper destroyed a masked job guy in under a minute and then unmasks him, rips it off of his face in the ring. And then here in this promo, ripping the mask apart, I should mention, Don Carson cutting a promo while the Stomper ripping a mask up all throughout this promo here with Gordon Soley. As Gordon Soley points out that there's one masked man the Stomper hasn't been able to unmask or beat, for that matter. And that is Mr. Wrestling 2. And we go back at that point, and I, I cut this out. It was uh, just some commentary they talked over from the January 1st Omnicard Wrestling 2 going over the Stomper on a DQ when Don Carson interfered. So Stomper trying to unmask 2 there at the end of this, the matchup, but Mr. 2 able to fight him off. Don Carson, though, promising that Mr. Wrestling 2 won't have a mask for much longer. It's coming off of the Omni, and it's coming off in less than four minutes. And of course, that's a gimmick, and it'll come into play here. I won't spoil it for anyone in the upcoming weeks. But at this point, the Stomper has defeated everyone he has wrestled on TV in less than four minutes. And supposedly, this match here on TV is billed as a no-DQ return match for January 16th. I don't know if that's uh, accurate or not by the time we get there, but it is billed as that at this point. Another no-DQ match. What is this, AEW? <laughs> EC Dub. Well, wait, they didn't have to announce it there in ECW, right? No, everything is no DQ. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm talking to a Philly guy. What the hell am I doing? Of course not. And I was there, so yes. I, <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> hey, were you at that? Yeah, I was there. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so we close out this edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling. A quick response from Wrestling 2 in regards to the comments just made from Don Carson. Remove the mask of any opponent that he uh, faces in the ring. However, the gentleman to my left who has become a legend in his own time, wrestling too, uh, there have been rare, rare occasions when that mask has ever come off. Well, there's always a chance of it coming off, Gordon. I know and realize this. And they, the Stomper is a man that has approved a, a point and, and, and uh, made it very clear to me and everyone else that he is after my mask. He's going to do his dead level at best to uh, to take it off, uh, to rip it off, to do any way, anything he possibly can do to get it off my head. Well, he can do anything he wants to do. All I can say to him and to anyone else that tries it is that be prepared for some stomping and some kicking, eye gouging, pulling, hair bite, pinch. I'll do anything that I need to do to protect this. If I have to go out and get me a club, I'll do that too. So prepare yourself for the worst if any time you go for this. So Wrestling 2 says he'll do anything to protect his identity, protect his mask, as he should. And of course, we all know the story. We talked about it a little bit earlier, uh, President Jimmy Carter inviting Wrestling 2 to the White House. Uh, Wrestling 2 was not only uh, a big-time wrestler to Jimmy Carter, but his mother's favorite wrestler was Mr. Wrestling 2, who got invited to the White House but had to politely decline because he had to remove his mask, so said Secret Service anyway. And uh, so Wrestling 2 politely declined, wouldn't uh, make the voyage to the White House. Yeah, see, as soon as you bring up Jimmy Carter, I'm picturing that photo of him and Jimmy with where he's got two in the headlock. Right, yeah. Or is that the other way around? Uh, no, I, it would make more sense uh, Carter has two in the headlock, right? No. But that's what I'm saying. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's a very famous photo. It's out there, and, and for some reason, neither one of us can remember exactly what it looks like. But yeah, take our word for it. It is a very famous photo. Uh, it's not often you see a president with a headlock uh, in, in a professional wrestler. 
And and to back up to what we were talking about before, with the live audience behind, the, the other interview had to be from Sunday and just got mixed in there somehow. Well, I, good catch there with the uh, no sound, no no crowd noise in the background of that first promo, but still just a, a really weird promo. Yeah, but probably just filling the time. That's why it was weird. <laughs> so uh, that concludes another edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling TV, the final episode prior to the next upcoming Omnicard which we're going to get to here in a minute, but some quick around-the-town results real quick, taking a look at some of the top matches and the cards of three events leading into the Omni show upcoming later in the week as the NWA world champion Harley Race is on tour for these shows, and we stop on January 12th, Augusta, Georgia, at the Bell Auditorium on the card. Dusty Rhodes defeating national heavyweight champion the Stomper on a disqualification. National tag team champions, the Freebirds, Gordy and Roberts, over the team of Mr. Wrestling 2 and Robert Fuller, and NWA World Heavyweight Champion Harley Race defeating Tony Atlas. Then the following night, January 13th, Macon, Georgia at the Coliseum. It's Steve Kern over TV champion Kevin Sullivan in a non-title match. Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller defeating the tag team champions Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts on a disqualification. Mr. Wrestling 2 over national champion The Stomper on a DQ and then in the main event, NWA World Champion Harley Race again, beating Tony Atlas before we finish up on January the 14th in Columbus, Georgia at the Memorial Auditorium. Tag Team Champions reportedly here tonight. It's Michael Hayes in the ring. I don't know if I believe that or not, but it says it's Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts defeating the team of Tony Atlas and, say it with me, Robert Fuller. Also on the card, Steve Kern defeating Kevin Sullivan in a Boston street fight. And in the main event, NWA World Champion Harley Race going over on Mr. Wrestling 2. So Steve Kern married to Kevin Sullivan right now on the house shows. And Robert Fuller, the common denominator in all of those tag team title bouts. On the 12th, he teams with Wrestling 2. On the 13th, it's Ted DiBiase. And on the 14th, Robert Fuller teaming with Tony Atlas every night, making sure he stepped in the ring with the fabulous Freebirds. No, that's why you're the booker, to get yourself over. I was going to say it's good to be booker. Uh, but some yeah. fun cards that week. World champion in town. Harley Race, some great men events, great tag team matches. Dusty Rhodes popping in. And, uh, wow, a Boston street fight. Kern and Sullivan on the underneath. Yeah, obviously non-title. So just some really great action as we head into January 16th, as we return to the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. God, it feels great to say that. I feel like I feel like I'm Tony Schiavone or somebody. I don't know, man. Uh, but we kick things off. Bobby Eaton going to go to a draw in the opening bout against Charlie Cook. And then from there, it's Joe LaDuke scoring a win over Bill Dromo. Dromo going to sub for Ted Oates because Oates, he's got a, a bigger match to fill here later tonight. He's going to sub for someone else. We'll get to that in a little bit. But here it is, Joe LaDuke going over Bill Dromo. And LaDuke, I always thought he had a great look and just a tremendous heel. But but he, he's been here a while now, Jamie, and, and a favorite to use of the Fullers, I think it's safe to say. but. He's just treading water, it would seem. He he might still be undefeated, but he's not really moving up the card for some reason. And he was probably just there for the for the payday from Fuller, like you just said. They're friends, and maybe he was in between territories at the time. And uh, Fuller said, eh, "Come work with me in Georgia. You know, you won't have to do much. Just appear on the shows." Yeah, Leduke obviously pops up shortly after Fuller takes the book. He disappears right around when Fuller leaves the territory. Uh, but in between, you know, all of that footage that's out there, very little of Joe LaDuke when, when all the comps were made and things uh, 
No, I don't believe one of the matches even exists, but and I think just one promo, maybe from here in the month of January. I can't remember right now, but it's just really odd because Joe LaDuke was doing nothing at the time. It was just going out there and winning squash matches on TV. He wasn't involved in any title matches, any feuds or anything. And it's like you said, maybe likely just throwing a friend a bone. You guys, you want a payday until you right. figure out what you're doing next, Joe? Here you go. Easy money for Joe. And so I mentioned LaDuke was originally scheduled to wrestle Ted Oates here on the card, but Ted Oates, uh, he had bigger fish to fry, it would turn out. So Bill Dromo subbing in there doing the job to LaDuke. And instead, Ted Oates going to fill in for the NWA World Junior Champion, Les Thornton, who abruptly leaves the territory and takes off to Florida this week. So instead, Steve Kern, instead of wrestling for the World Junior title against Les Thornton, it's Steve Kern scoring a win here over Ted Oates on the undercard. Uh, very uneventful and very unfortunate. I would like to have seen Kern versus Thornton here. That yeah, would have been very interesting. I guess I guess this is where Thornton goes off the, like you said, Florida and starts that feud with uh, Jerry Briscoe over the uh, junior title. Yeah, wandering around aimlessly here or going to Florida and actually having a, a sort of a storyline angle going on with Jerry Briscoe, of all people. I guess he made the right choice, but I still would have liked to have seen him finish it up here in Georgia before his before he made his way down to Florida. Yeah, and especially him being the world junior champion, he was still getting booked through the NWA. Right. And uh, just to see him pack up and go and not finish out, you know, his commitments. Right. And make no mistake about it, they were billing this match uh as an upcoming match on this card. This wasn't something that was just there. They they were announcing it, but again, Jamie, card subject to change. That's what it says at the bottom every time. Uh if you tell me you saw this next one coming, Jamie, I'm gonna call you a liar. Steve O pins Kevin Sullivan to win the national television championship. Now it didn't go exactly as it sounds here. Steve Kern is actually at ringside for this matchup as Kevin Sullivan toys with Steve O leading to Sullivan also taking a cheap shot at Steve Kern at ringside. And as Kevin scooped up O for a body slam, Steve Kern retaliated, reaching in and tripping up Kevin Sullivan, Steve O falling on top. And, and subsequently winning the title, pinning Kevin Sullivan with the help of Steve Kern. So the Sullivan-Kern feud will continue, and Steve-O, he gets the rub and the TV title. And this is one time Stevie Wonder didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, Ray Charles did not see this one coming. Uh, no, just not, not at all. This is not the first time, if you guys remember, we talked about it on setting the stage. Uh, Kern came to ringside during another of uh, Sullivan's Omni matches and actually pulled a for an object from the boot of Kevin Sullivan, causing Sullivan to lose to Tony Atlas. I think that was Christmas night. Right, yeah. So, and Sul what, what's interesting here is, I wonder if Kern went and got that manager license mm. that Two was talking about so he could be a ringside for this match. Good call. And, and maybe he could claim that he was wrestling, too, because we don't know who's under that mask. So, Hey, great, it, great point. Great <laughs> point. What an excellent storyline that would have made. How do you know it's not wrestling, too? That's easily something Bill Watts would have done. Certainly and something had, he would have said. And then had Kern wrestle <laughs> the stomper and take the mask off and beat Kern. There you go. <laughs> oh, wow. And then you got th then you got Kern and two feud with Stomper and Sullivan. So why weren't you brought in over Robert Fuller at this point, I have to wonder? Very interesting. I was only 13 years old. From the mouths of babes, though, man. I think you could have <laughs> done it. I think you could have done it. But uh, here we go. We go on. More action on the show. It's It was billed leading in anyway as a no disqualification match, though. An interesting finish here as it's Mr. Wrestling 2 
battling the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper, to a no contest. And I was never a fan of this. Steel cage matches that led to a DQ, no DQ matches that led to a countout. Yeah, I know it furthers the storyline. I was just never a fan. I always felt ripped off. Yeah, but you have to figure that this is leading to uh, another match. Oh, it, it most definitely it, is. And the Stomper has some big matches upcoming uh, beyond wrestling, too. Oh, yeah, the big big is the word for it. <laughs> I see what you did there. I, I guess I did it, and I didn't even mean to. But well, you said it earlier. So. That's right. That's true. So Without we, saying. <laughs> uh, the action rolls on here at the Omni. Oh, boy, here we go. National Tag Team Champions, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts, Michael Hayes in their corner, defeat, yes, I said it, guys, the Freebirds defeat the team of Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller to win Fuller's $17,000 Lincoln Continental, again, that's $61,000 in today's money, guys, in a titles versus town car match. And of course, it was no disqualification, so what does Michael Hayes do? He interferes, Jamie. Of course he does. And he aids the Freebirds in a triple team stuff pile driver on Robert Fuller to win the matchup. Fuller then sustaining a neck injury from that action. And the Freebirds, once again, outsmarting the challengers here. They wanted that no disqualification stipulation. Robert Fuller thought, hey, if it's legal for Hayes to get involved, we know he's going to get involved. We'll be ready for him, but apparently not. This is where they needed the plowboy, and he was nowhere to be found. Speaking of cornermen, where was wrestling to here? Great point. Well, maybe his manager license was suspended for the night. Maybe he never got it. Maybe it was all like you said. Or, just, or just he gave it of... to Steve Kern. Maybe he gave it to Steve Kern for the evening. Could have been. Could have been. As we, we have one more match for you guys. We've seen a lot go down here tonight. Wrestling 2 in the Stomper. Steve-O, the new TV champion. Lots going on. And those Freebirds, those dirty, rotten Freebirds, going to take that Lincoln Continental from Robert Fuller, but it doesn't end there. A hell of a main event here sees Dusty Rhodes and Tony Atlas defeat the team of Ole Anderson and the NWA World Heavyweight Champion Harley Race when, get this, Tony Atlas pins the world champion. Tony Atlas scoring a win here in the main event over Harley Race. Instant number one contender. Yeah, nobody can ever say Harley Race didn't do what was best for business. Now, what a fun night of action here at the Omni. We got a no contest in the national heavyweight title match, but we turn around, no disqualification, so we know there's going to be a winner. It may not have been everyone's favorite, the Freebirds going over, and it's like you said, even if we didn't know, we kind of knew they were going to take that town car, right, Jamie? And then in the main event, they get the crowd back. Tony Atlas pins the world champion. Just well-booked, well-put-together card. And send the people home happy. That's That's the end of it. You hear that, Vince? <laughs> Triple H would have sent him home happy. Maybe. And all right, Jamie, I think that's a good place to tie things up here for this week. And after all, we want to keep them coming back for more. The wheels have started turning here in 1981, and things are already getting interesting. So much more to come here in the month of January alone. So, Jamie, I can't thank you enough for joining me on this journey back in time. It's been a fun ride so far. And we're just getting started. Again, my pleasure, and I can't wait till we do this again. Okay, and that's going to do it again here this week for the show. I want to thank you again, Jamie Ward, for being a part of this trip through 1981 and Georgia Championship Wrestling. 
And once again, I am Ray Russell. You can find me on Twitter at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. I want to thank all the loyal listeners again for listening to the show. Going to be back soon. Going to talk more Mid-South 1986. Going to have Jamie back to talk more Georgia in 1981. All of that and more coming up here on Regional Wrestling, where we talk the territories. Mm-hmm.